Hi, my name is Quinn Edmonds, and I'm on Bean Break with Blake. Indeed, he is. Welcome to Bean Break. As he said, this week's guest is Quinn. So, Quinn, let's start off the same as always. Who are you? I'm Quinn. <laughs> In this crazy world, I'm a dancer, choreographer, dance teacher, business owner, whatever else you think can fall into that bracket of craziness. Awesome. How did you get started into dance? Um, if we take it right back to when I was probably like three years old, um, the good old TV show High Five. It was on show every on show on TV every morning. Um, I'd wake up and talk to my parents with that at six o'clock in the morning. By the end of the week, I'd know all the choreography to the opening number, as the three-year-old does. Um, and then by the time I was about five or six, my parents put me into formal training, and it just from there. Did you ever have any other passions, or was it always just dance? Um, oh, I did the typical, nearly every sport under the sun that you do at school, like hockey, basketball, water polo, all that stuff. Um, I also did music. I played the saxophone, both alto and tenor, the clarinet. Did guitar at one point as well. Played the recorder, as everyone did when they were in year five and six. Um, but alongside everything, there was always dance, and then it took over. Was it difficult for you um, when you were younger? Was there any like stigma around you being a boy and dancing? Very. There was a lot of the crap I dealt with, as most, I feel like most males in any kind of performing arts deal with, but it tends to be more obvious in dance and musical theatre performing arts, more so than music and the other arts, really. Um, yeah, heaps of bullying all the way from probably year four in primary school all the way through to when I left school in year 12. I just dealt with it. Um, it first got to me when I was younger, but then as I got older, probably about year 10, when dance got really serious for me, it just turned into a, okay, cool, see you later, moving on. And I knew what I was doing, so I didn't really care. Does it not really affect you all these days? Nah, gotten over it. Because they're all in boring jobs that they probably didn't want to do and spent all the money at uni to do the jobs that they don't want to do. And I didn't even have to do that at all. I just went straight into the life I enjoy and I get lots of freedom with it. Awesome. Was teaching always something you saw yourself doing or was just... Um, teaching was something that sort of kicked in alongside my training. Um, when I was probably about 13, my teachers were like, hey, do you want to learn how to teach? And I was like, yeah, because that's probably going to be the biggest part of making money as an artist anywhere is teaching how to do it. Um, I assisted my teachers at the time, probably did like two nights of assisting a week alongside my normal training. Um, and that turned into a passion for teaching. I had this whole plan that I was going to teach full-time straight away as soon as I'd left um, my full-time course in Australia, but that was not a good idea. I probably did that for about six months and decided, nope, no more full-time teaching. So I broke off teaching, um, teaching full-time and went into a bit more performing alongside teaching and also looking into other options, which is pretty much what I do now. I only teach three nights a week now, but I love it. Awesome. What's the best part of performing for you? Oh gosh, that's the hardest question ever. I feel like every performer can't answer that question straight away. Um, I get such a rush when I perform, like it takes over my body in a whole other way, especially with a full dance performance. It just takes over. When I get to do things like theatre shows, I haven't done a theatre show in a while, but when I do theatre shows, oh, it's just like, obviously you're a different person or meant to be a different character and all that. So you get that different kind of rush but when I'm doing a proper dance show where I put the full peak of my training into those I, I whoosh I go nuts with it 
How do you stay motivated? Mm, with a lot of difficulty, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of difficulty. Why do you say that? Um, well, first off, you're self-employed. So being self-employed in general is hard. Then you add the last two and a half years to that. It makes it even harder. Um, I think someone asked me this question the other day on that like new NGL Instagram thing that's going on. Um, and my answer is still very much the same. It's the dancers I get to work with alongside and also teach. Also always challenge me to create new stuff, be better at what I do and yeah just keep doing that and keep continuously trying to top myself in the work I put out is a really big motivating factor for me hmm. what did you do what were the lockdowns like for you what horrible did you do through <laughs> <laughs> horrible hated them with a passion and anytime someone mentions the word lockdown it just sends like shivers down my spine still um they weren't the nicest at all got taking something that requires so much personal one-to-one attention like dance and teaching dance and being on stage and just stripping you of that completely and trying to do it through a computer screen was the worst and then it also injured my body in multiple ways because I had to dance on a concrete floor in my garage instead of a dance studio floor or a stage Yikes. so my good old knee injury came back and haunted me I felt like a granddad for the whole time how'd you injure your knee dancing <laughs> <laughs> of course um Oh, that was probably when I, I think I was 16. I did that. I was doing the most basic of a move and it just went snap, crackle, pop into surgery I went and it's fine now, but lockdown didn't like it. Was there, um, through lockdown, when you came out of it at the end, was there, did you have any different um, opinions on like Zoom and stuff? Did you love or hate that? I hated it as soon as we started using it. I knew straight away that teaching online classes was going to be horrible. So many of my friends in the industry were like, oh, it's going to be fun because we can still connect with everyone and la, 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 la. And I was like, no, it's going to suck. We can't do anything. Like most, not most, that's not English. Not many people have a full big space to dance in at home to execute movement properly and train properly. You usually, most of my students are in like the little bedrooms with like a meter of movement space to go with or some of them had the garage like me but still it's not suited to dance because it's not safe for your body it's concrete it's freezing both lockdowns were in the winter so that was even worse um yeah i hated it i still hate it i have to teach on something on zoom tonight for someone in australia but it's okay when it's the odd time because i just do it but if it's every day again i don't think i'll do it was there anything you learned to love through the lockdowns um, looking after myself. <laughs> I learned, I learned very quickly to look after myself because prior to lockdown, I didn't look after myself the best because I was always such a go, go, go kind of person. So lockdowns actually forced me to slow down because I had nothing to do, um, except for teach at the times I had to teach. And then at home I was stuck during the day. I couldn't plan any events or shows or competitions or anything that I usually would because I couldn't do it in lockdown. Um, so I looked after myself. I played games all day. I was on FaceTime with people. I was being bored on TikTok and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But that actually let my brain just stop for a second, which was nice. Is that something you've continued after lockdowns have ended? Yep. Very much so. Um, I was like king of creating burnout for myself 
which was quite the experience. Like it lent to quite physical issues or really big physical issues I had. Like my whole left lung was just like, see you later for a bit because I burnt myself out so much. Um, so after that, especially that was in between the two lockdowns where I was like, okay, I'm going to look after myself and I'm going to keep that looking after myself going. And I keep that going now. It was also a big shift on changing what, how you view your success for yourself was a really big thing because so many people would think success is like the amount of money that's in your bank account, la la la. And that's what I thought for a while. But then I realized that's not how it's viewed. It's actually the things that I'm actually accomplishing. And if I do them with the highest of quality, then the bank account will follow. Um, so that's how my mindset has been on success. Mostly this year, but also a little bit of the end of last year after that second lockdown. Mm. And would you say that's improved life for you? Oh my gosh, 100%. Definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Um, I guess sort of going back to what you just said, do you get easily burnt out or bored of dance and theatre? Um, I don't tend to get bored of it. I don't think I could ever get bored of it as such. Burnout, definitely. Um, I was burnt out probably four weeks ago and it was a really bad case of it. I hated everything for a week. Um, and not like hating dance. It was hating the fact that I had to force myself to create stuff for that whole week because I had bookings, I had classes to teach, I had things to be at, I had, you know, X, Y, Z to produce and all that. So it was just forcing my brain to be like, try think of something, even though it's going to be crap, essentially. Mm. But then it fixed itself because I made sure I took measures into my own hands and cancelled a day of something to look after myself. What's something that you wish was different or could be improved in the New Zealand dance slash arts scene? Um, it used to be a lot of thinking that the world needs to recognise New Zealand dance more, but now it's being realised a lot more and New Zealand dancers are getting booked for all of these big things, which is so exciting. Um, I think still that needs to change is everyone's trying to be better than everyone else and also the tall poppy syndrome and all that kind of stuff really bites people in the butt here in New Zealand and it needs to get, we just need to get rid of it and there's also a lot of toxic culture still surrounding who's better than you and um, the competition within the friendly competition it should just be friendly competition not always trying to get each other down and people always backstabbing each other it just needs to stop <laughs> it just needs to stop <laughs> How's dance changed for you from when you were younger to now? Oh my gosh. Um, it's had a lot of evolution in how it's performed, what styles have come through and been recognized more as important styles to know and train, as well as um, what the opportunities are. There wasn't as much opportunities when I was younger. Like I look at what my students are doing now and what I get to do alongside them because I'm still younger so I can still actually do them compared to what I did when I was 12, 13, 14, 15. There's so many more opportunities. It's insane. These kids are absolutely beasts now because of the fact that they have all these places to go and train and conventions and they can just jump on a plane overseas and do this huge thing and they come back with like a year's worth of growth that I would have got when I was 12. And I think it's the same for theatre as well all these companies are throwing themselves into new productions and all that. And it's great. And that means all these kids get more um, 
opportunities and more growth and everything. Like, I'm choreographing shows, I don't know, tomorrow, it felt like, especially over the last few years, between the lockdowns, it was just like, cram, show, go. Except for Adams, it took like nine months. But, you know, it's it's great because there's so many things going on at once. So it's great for me, it's great for the kids, it's great for families, it's great for everyone. It's so much better than what it was. It, and it keeps being that way, which is awesome. You mentioned Adam's family going on for nine months. Um, how was that experience for you? It was an actual child, like nine months of pregnancy, basically, with that show. Um, I loved Adam's family. I loved doing that show so much. It started off, obviously, it started off really strong because we were like, well, we're going to get this done in a few months. Blah, get it on stage. And then it was like, nah, stop it. Um, I think, well, we couldn't, we couldn't do much of the Cory over Zoom. One, because I didn't want to. Two, because no one probably wanted to either, except for those little stupid tutorials that I made to learn full disclosure. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just ingrained in my body. I heard it the other day and I nearly threw something at someone because it just like took over my body and I started doing it. Um, yeah, I love that show. I would happily choreograph Adam's Family again with the same cast, with a different cast. Um, I was so gutted that I couldn't be at the reunion on Sunday because I was down in Waikato for my comp. Um, but yeah, it's always a show that I will have at the top of the list of ones that I love choreographing. Did anything annoy you about Adam's Family other than it being delayed so much? Um, not really. I, I mean, you have the typical problems that you have when you're creating a show, obviously. But there was no particular thing that stands out in my brain where I was just like, oh, I actually want to kill someone over this. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was great, except for the umbrellas and Moon and Me. That Actually, no, that's that's the one thing I hated. I was just going to say, what about those umbrellas? That was my idea fully as well. Ooh. And it, it was my idea to be like, let's dance with umbrellas. Ugh. Let's have 10 of you do it. Ugh. Surround Festa. Ugh. But it, wor- it worked out really well when we actually got to the show. It was just the process of getting 10 people to move with umbrellas and make pretty shapes. Dug myself a hole there, but oh well. Uh, for context, Adam's Family was a show that was directed by a previous uh, person who was on the podcast, Stephen Dello. Speaking of, how did you come to meet him and start choreographing his shows? Oh my gosh. Um, so I was introduced to him by Emma Bishop, um, another really good friend of mine who I work with in theatre and all that kind of thing. And I do a lot of choreography for her as well. Um, one year, I think it was when Stephen was doing Jesus Christ Superstar for the St. Peter's and Marist Collective. And he reached out and I couldn't do it that year because I had already had something else booked. So I was like, sorry, maybe next year. And the next year came around, which was time to do chess or other lockdown baby <laughs> felt like. Uh, and I said yes to doing chess. And then from there, we both just clicked and it t- tends to be this little me, Stephen and Jali, Holy Trinity that just tends to go through each show that he directs especially, except for Blood Brothers, because I couldn't do Blood Brothers. But I'm really excited that Katie's getting to do Blood Brothers for him, because she's got something very special going, and she's really paid close attention to the shows that I've done that she's been in, and she trains with insane people over at Danza. And so I'm very excited to see what she creates, and people are telling me that what she's making is redonkulous. So very proud of her and excited to see it, but there's a million more things happening with me and Steven, mm. always. What what are those million more things? Well, we have something planned for October, hopefully. Hopefully it goes ahead. I got my bank account hacked the other week, so the budget for that just went whoosh. 
So I'm really hoping that that does come back so that we can still make that happen. Otherwise, I'm sure we'll figure out a plan B. It's Stephen. So, of course, there's a plan B, C, D, E, F. Um, and then whatever next show, next year's show is for the St. Peter's and Marist group is, don't ask me what it is because we have no idea. No one does because we're still trying to apply for it. Um, and then I'm sure there's going to be other shows and little projects that he has coming out that'll be like, Quinn, can you do it? Like, okay, sure. So it's enough of what Stephen's doing. What's Quinn doing at the moment? Oh my gosh, where do we start? So I have my usual teaching and choreographing and performing as myself. Then I have Tiptronic Choreography, which is a dance entertainment company owned with Lana Smith. Um, she's my very close friend. That's, you know, dance entertainment for corporate work and et cetera, et cetera. Then we also have a development program within that for the next like generation of up and coming dancers called Pit Crew. Everything's based around car terms, in case you haven't picked it up already. Don't know how that happened. Well, I do, but it's quite stupid, so we're not going to get into it. Um, then there's also Velocity Dance Competition, which is our nationally touring dance competition, focused on creating a more friendly scene for the competition dancers that want to come into it, because it's such a naturally toxic culture. That needs to be shifted. And we're also trying to make it more industry relevant so that kids are prepared for what they're actually going to experience the second they leave their dance schools. Um, and there's a million more things that are in the works, but obviously I'm not going to talk about them because they're not announced and I don't like announcing half things. So there you go. Fair enough. What um, what inspired you to start Tiptronic? Um, there was no specific plan for us to start a dance entertainment company. It honestly started out of being petty. Why? <laughs> there was a studio that um, I taught at and Lana was a dancer at. I'm obviously not going to name the name, but um, we, I taught, she danced. And um, I was teaching her her last like round of competition routines because she was putting it into that chapter. And that dance studio just conveniently decided to screw us both over that week. But we had a competition that weekend that she was performing at. So we were like, oh what if we just went as our own collective? And then the name Tiptronic came from me not knowing what something in my car does. And she did. And it was called Tiptronic. So we're like, wow, that's a cool name for something. Tiptronic Choreography was born. Team Petty went from there, turned into what it is now. And then also having Velocity come out of that as well. Started from being Petty. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the best kind of beginning. <laughs> exactly. Team Petty all the way. And so why why is there a car theme throughout it? Like pit crew and that kind of thing? Just purely because of me not knowing how my car worked and Tiptronic. And then we I'm I like to I love to brand and market things in a way that keeps you like really zoned into what we're doing. So we have things like Tiptronic as the overall name. Pit crew, which is the group of the kids we trained, but the pit actually stands for professionals in training. So we kinda of did like a spin on yeah, right. I did a bit of a spin on that. And then we also have an event called Jumpstart Camp, which is a two-day boot camp in January that happens every year. Jumpstart car. Woo, there's another one. We have the Overdrive series. That was not specifically a car term, but it kind of sounds like a car term. Overdrive, work with it. Then Velocity Dance Competition came out of it. Our championship section is called the Accelerated Dancer. It just keeps going and it going and going and they get more and more ridiculous as time goes on. And we have more that come out next year for the competition in specific. And they just, it's just like, what am I doing? I know nothing about cars, but here we are. 
Like every time we have an idea, we're like going through an A to Z glossary of car terms and we're like, oh, that one works for this one. What if we change this? We've had some really bad ones. We wanted to call our competition the spark plug competition. It was a horrible idea. Right? Yikes. It sounds horrible. But for some reason, we thought it was a good idea. And the mum was like, that sounds stupid. Call it something else. <laughs> and so Velocity came out. Wow. <laughs> my goodness. There's a lot going on in my head. And it's usually quite a mess. As you have learned from doing the shows I choreograph. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Watching you choreograph is interesting because you sort of just seem to spit a million ideas and then go... You know, most of that is stupid. Let's just focus on this. Forget everything else. Yeah, it tends to be a million ideas that like all hit me at once. And then I'll somehow pick out one of them to teach you, hate it, alter it. Then you have the final product in the weirdest way possible. And I hope Katie is exactly like that with Blood Brothers. She probably won't be, no. She's probably got it all down packed knowing her. Yeah. I mean, she prepares a whole warm up. Yeah, she's quite organized. Yeah. It's scary. Uh, <laughs> complete opposite of my brain I mean I'm organised but I hate pre-choreographing especially for shows because if I don't like what I've spent all this time prepping then it just really annoys me because I've wasted time and then I have to make a whole new thing so I'm sorry, I'll just make one and done unless I've got that choreo pre-set and I know it's going to work like I did with Grease Lightning for Grease that one was the only pre-choreographed routine in that show because I was like that's going to work like this so when you're choreographing a show, do you like go to the rehearsals with nothing in your head except for the song and then just sort of go with the flow? I'll go with like a rough like skeleton of how I want the number to pan out and what like blocking as such I'll have in terms of where it's going to happen on the stage and what characters in specific need to be somewhere, especially with like the lead roles. Uh, usually with the shows that Stephen does, he always just goes, just do whatever you want. I'm like, that's not helpful, Stephen. I need to know what I'm going to do. Like, where do the leads need to be at least so I can start with something? And that usually takes it there. Like, with Grease, when we did... What was one of the big numbers in that one? Uh, the ending number. What's it called? You're the one that I want. That one. You're the one that I want. It was. He was just like, do what you want. And I was like, but the leads need to be somewhere, right? And he was like, well, they just stay in one group. And it's obviously all about Danny and Sandy, which I knew. So I had to really play around with that. But then he was also like, but I want the whole ensemble on the stage as well. And I was like, okay. And we're in a diner with not much room on stage. We have a cat, we have big tables and chairs. And I was like, ah. So I'll come with that prepared. Sometimes some choreography will follow that if I have a specific like dance break or a chorus I want to work with, which is more of what I did with Grease Lightning. Because with that one, it, I, it has to be the big number of the show because it's Grease Lightning of mm. Grease. Uh, so I had the whole chorus and probably first verse choreographed for that. And then the rest kind of just flowed in really nicely because the boys were just gelling with what we were doing. And the 10 hours we spent creating that and rehearsing it. Um, but yeah, that's one of my favorite numbers I've made for one of the shows I've done with Steven. Um, just because it was so special because it was getting all the boys to just absolutely throw themselves into some choreography. And the ones that played Kaneki, Adam and... Oh my God. What's the other boy's name? Me and my names, honestly. It's gone from my head. Watching them dance, sing, sweat it out for that number was, at moments, hilarious. But also really cool because they didn't know they could do it. They were freaking out. And they were excited, but they were freaking out and being like, one's going to actually kill us. Because everyone knows my car is not on the easy side. So it just got thrown at them. And it was the same for the rest of the boys in that number as well. 
they all just went for it and they had a good time doing it, especially throwing a jazz split in there. <laughs> I said, it was like, you guys are going to do the jazz splits. And they're like, the what? And they straight away just thought they were going to hurt themselves because everyone thinks the splits hurt you, especially for boys. Don't know why. has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> you just go to the ground quickly. Um, so that was really cool. And jumping on the car and throwing rags around. and It was just a fun number. It was fun. Mm, it was a fun show. What has been your least favorite show to choreograph? Sound of Music. Why is that? I just didn't enjoy choreographing it because it wasn't much. It's not a dancey show. And so trying to create dance numbers within a show that isn't made for dancing was quite, it was challenging more so. Um, and it's, it, I mean, in first place, it wasn't a show that was a favorite of mine anyway, just because it's an older show. And I don't tend to be a fan of most of the older shows. But it was a challenge, and I made myself treat it as a challenge and something to really push the boundaries of. Like, who thought of tutting nuns? <laughs> Me, obviously. But no, that's not usually in the sound of music. Usually it's just like movement, which I did a lot of that movement stuff. But tutting nuns and Maria, who asked for that? Who needed it? No one did, but I did it. And whatever stupid things I did in that show, like do re Me. <laughs> it's ingrained in everyone's head and people still come up to me when we're doing the Peters and Maris shows and they're like, no, a dear female dear. I'm like, go away, please. It's, yeah, that show, I fell asleep in one of the rehearsals one night. That was quite funny. I do remember hearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are your pet peeves when trying to teach people, Corey? People not shutting up. You're like, like you're there to learn the choreography and the material you need for the show, the class, the whatever you're doing. And you're not going to get it if you aren't paying attention. It's usually a commonly known, you know, thing that you're not going to get it if you don't pay attention. And I understand that most of them are teenagers and younger kids, which is fine. I don't mind telling you once or twice, but after that, if you're not going to listen, you're not going to listen. You're not going to go to the quarry and then you're out of that number. Out you go. And I don't have a problem with kicking out the number. <laughs> <laughs> If I have to, I will. Fair. How did you get into choreographing? Uh, choreographing was always something I wanted to get into. Um, I always really enjoyed the idea of taking something from my brain and finding a way to like, visually create it on bodies. I don't know where in particular it came from. It probably stems from the teaching idea. And obviously with teaching, you have to teach some kind of material for them to gain knowledge out of in their dance classes. So it probably came from creating that those like phrases at the end of the classes you teach, being like, oh, let's turn this into something. And then it over time has turned into choreographing shows, choreographing solos and troops for competitions and, you know, corporate gigs, bigger show gigs, all these kinds of la di -dars. It's quite exciting. So the uh, so someone who's untrained or unknowledgeable, what's the difference between like a show and a corporate gig? Um, so your shows is obviously things like musical theatre and theatre shows, and also just a more of like a dance show as a collective, where it's you know an hour of dancing. Um, whereas the corporate gigs are more for, say, Barfoot and Thompson is doing like a big event for all their staff, and they want some entertainment they'd reach out to the companies that offer this corporate entertainment. So like Tedronic or the million other companies in Auckland 
and they'd provide entertainment. Or another one that we did recently was for the Silver Ferns for the, their halftime show entertainment, which was really cool. That's usually the corporate stuff is businesses needing entertainment. So I guess that's where the corporate word comes in from. And that's what we just call it. We're corporate gig. Here we go. Do another one. Mm. Yeah. I'm guessing you prefer like the more live show type stuff. Absolutely. Because corporate gigs always come with really specific briefs and usually not the best budgets. So half the time they get turned down because they're not willing to pay dancers what they should be getting paid. Sometimes we'll still take them because we can use our development program dancers for it and it can be incorporated into their training without having to pay them a full professional amount if that makes sense whereas some of them it's like we need the professional dancers for this one so we're gonna have to pay them the proper dollars otherwise they won't do it and then same for us choreographing and producing it and costuming it so many more dollars go into that as well so it becomes quite a big thing so if you're ever going to have a corporate or business company situation and you want to hire dancers come at the companies with a bigger budget so that you can get what you want that's the only advice i have would you say that's a problem in choreographing that's not addressed much like budget being a problem yeah a lot of people that aren't in the dance world don't think that budget is a problem whereas it is a problem it's our livelihoods just as much as your company is your livelihood um and a lot of people still think that paying people an experience is the best thing ever. It's not. You we can get experience and also be paid for it. Mm. You can get your very first part-time job, which is your job that you get for experience, and you get paid for it. So it's the same kind of thing. You know, like you go to work in Countdown for your first job to get experience. You get paid for it. Dance job. You're usually hiring people who have been doing it for 10 plus years. They've got the experience to do it. They need to get paid now. Yeah. What's been your best and worst moment on stage? Oh, probably falling over. Worst would be falling over on stage. That's always horrible. Fall, falling over, doing something wrong, forgetting choreography, costume malfunctions, always the worst. Best moments? Um, I don't know, I've had too many. There's been so many best performance moments. Most of them tend to be the times where it's just such an electric show and we've got such an electric audience that matches that. It tends to be the closing nights of any season or any show in general. The audience is losing the absolute marbles with us and we're just vibing at a whole different frequency on stage. is just really exciting and that really gets you going, especially as a performer. I mean, you'd know as well because you just whoosh, all of a sudden this next wave of energy and it's like another stack on top of you and you kind of just go nuts with it. Yeah, That's usually the best moments that I remember. Do you get as much joy watching people you teach bring things to life as well as performing and bringing things to life yourself? Very much so. I probably get more enjoyment out of watching my stuff come to life because it's, you know, it's something that's stemmed from being a thought in your brain which you've gone and then physically choreographed yourself and then physically put onto other people and blocked it and formatted it and produced it into be this whole thing that's on a stage that people are paying to watch. Regardless of the ability of what you're creating, whether it's something really difficult for really advanced dancers or where it's something really basic for just these like little seven or eight-year-olds, it's still the same feeling because it's an accomplishment of seeing that little thought turn into this bigger, much bigger picture. And then seeing that happen for bigger things around the world, like when I get to go to Australia and do stuff over there, 
and teach over there, it's even more exciting because, you know, I'm not with Australia all the time. I'm here in New Zealand. So that's really cool. We're teaching online. I had someone join from America last year online in lockdown. And I was like, what the heck are you doing here? You should be asleep. <laughs> um, but that was cool. Little things like that. Always just truck along a bit further. Hmm. Would you call yourself a confident person? I'd like to say yes. I think I am. 90% of the time, I do get shy at points. Um, I think the confidence really comes out when the other person I'm talking to or interacting with or working with is also willing to give back as well. If I'm having to try and make small talk with someone who doesn't, who wants to make less than small talk, it's painful. Mm. But I would usually say I'm a confident person when it comes to most things. Would you say the arts and dance has helped you with that over the years? Yes, I would say it would. But I think something that grew a lot more of my confidence was like my first part-time job working in fashion retail at Factory. You're talking to absolute strangers who always have a problem with something. <laughs> so it makes you very confident in saying what you want, need to say, and dealing with problems and creating solutions. And, you know, in fashion retail, it was also there was also a creative side to it because the visual merchandising, you get to create the displays that you're selling the clothes on. So that was something that I really enjoyed doing when I was there. So it also grew my creative confidence as well as dealing with people confidence. Hmm. What inspires you and do you take inspirations from other forms of art other than just arts? Ooh, um, I mean, I, ge I guess going back to what motivates me is also my inspiration is my dancers that I work with and teach always inspiring me because I have to keep providing stuff for them to work with or have work to do. So it makes and it forces and makes me to create, find, provide, etc. There's definitely plenty of people that I aspire to, um, like bigger choreographers and all that kind of thing. But other art forms or forms of anything that inspire me, um, business in general, seeing like people in business do really exciting things and really innovative things really inspires me. Because a big part of the dance world is business as well. You know, having two companies myself as well as being self-employed myself, is a, a lot of business work and a lot of business ethic you need to hold to a high standard so that you're not going to be dragged through the mud by people who think they deserve better but have been treated poorly from other places that have poor business ethics. And, yeah, you always want to be the best of the best. So that also inspires me. I just like being the best at what I do. So that also helps in the least snobby way. I love to be the best at what I'm doing. Because I know that's that means I'm fulfilling something within me to just keep creating and keep going. Mm. If that makes any sense whatsoever, it probably doesn't. <laughs> I'm going to be the best. Yeah. Well, somebody might say, didn't earlier in this interview you say people shouldn't try to be better than each other and you're sick of that? Well, yeah, I, I did say that. But also, I think it's it's not like... I'm not trying to specifically be be better than anyone in particular. Mm. I'm always focusing on one-upping myself. But if I know I can provide one of the better services within something, then I'll keep aspiring to do that because that's what people deserve. And I always take the comp velocity for the competition as a really good example of that. Kids don't deserve to come to a dance competition and be treated like crap. They're coming to a dance competition to 
express themselves, perform, get some feedback. Whether or not the parents have forced them to, I don't mind. I don't care. But as long as the kid is having a really fun time at my competition, then that's what I want to happen. And that's what I think a good competition or one of the best competitions should have. Yeah, it's a competition and you're competing at the end of the day. But that shouldn't come with the horrible culture in the background, especially from parents, teachers, anyone at the a competition. Mm. So that's, I guess, where that best of the best comes from. Not in a, like, I'm trying to be better than this. Even though I have people on social media tell me that all the time. They're like, stop trying to be this person. I'm like, I'm not. Go away. I've got better things to do than try to be someone else. Why would I bother? That's their lane. She's going to make your own lane. It works. I've made it work. So, What's the next big thing that you're doing? Uh, the next big thing would be wrapping up our first national tour of Velocity. So we have our national finals in October. We have one more regional to go in Christchurch in a few weeks. But the national finals is like the big wrap of it of the year. Because all the top dancers from each of the four regionals we've done are going to come together and just basically have a big showdown and see who, again, the best of the best, who's the best of the best. But come together in a collaborative way to perform and get feedback and do all the things that competitions should be for, as well as all the extras we're offering them at the event. So that's probably the next biggest thing for the business side of it. For me, if my budget comes back for that project, that'll be quite a big thing because I'm really putting some chunky dollars into that to make it something quite special to bring together different parts of the arts world. Um, and then, yeah, just the more things that are planned in future. Being signed to my agency as a choreographer soon is also going to be really exciting. Free WJ plus boy. Just signed as a dancer, but eventually going to be added as a choreographer, which is really cool, considering the names that are on the choreographer roster as well. It's going to be really exciting. Awesome. Now, uh, before this interview, I reached out to a few people um, from St. Oh, Peter's crap. and Marist shows with questions. Oh, no. uh, I specifically didn't go to Adam because I knew he'd probably tell you. Uh, so <laughs> I specifically didn't go to him, so don't worry about that. But what's your favorite style of dance? Oh, that's the worst question. It's always the heart. It's, it literally depends on the day. Like it comes down to the day, the hour, the second. Today then, this moment. At the moment, I'm really on my obsession with jazz again. Jazz is always my, I mean, it's my first and it's one of the first styles I was trained in. And I just have a special place for watching a classical, technical jazz. Closely followed by that is contemporary. And like my weird glitchy style that I tend to create. What's, what's a style of dance you want to try that you haven't really explored yet? Um, I've done most, I've done all the styles that you can do in a typical training roster at a studio. Um, and I've done a little bit of Latin here and there. I'd love to go back to my Latin training again and do more of that, like salsa, ballroom, all that kind of stuff again. Another cultural style that I want to do more of is capoeira. That's a Brazilian um, it's a form of Brazilian something, something, something. I can't remember what the rest of it is. I don't want to get it wrong. But it's really cool. I think it's like a fight dance of some kind. It's really cool to watch. It's bloody exhausting, but it's really cool. <laughs> What's your coffee order? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> See, now, if you asked Adam this, he would say it in the funniest way ever. I have this screenshot of him running my coffee order back to me, and it had this, I can't remember what word it was, but it was, 
you know, my coffee orders a mocha with either triple or four shots with trim milk. But he had this way of like, it was like triple insert word, mocha insert word. And it had the stupid word in between each thing. And it, you know, took one sentence. It's like a whole paragraph of a coffee order. So depends who you're asking is what my coffee order is. If I'm feeling crazy, it's a nice version of that. Or it could get up to five shots depending on the job I'm doing, which is probably a concern, but meh. No, I, haven't sure died from, I haven't died from it yet, so she'll be right. Yeah. Um, what's your love life like? Was a very commonly asked question. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> See, I want to know who asked that one. I cannot tell you. I know you won't. I'll figure it out eventually. If it was Katie, I'm going to laugh. Did Katie ask any of these? No. Damn it. It's probably a good thing you didn't ask the two that I'm closest with. Because they would have just ripped into me. That was intentional. Yeah, good idea. Love life, horrible. Um, yeah, nothing's going on there. I'd like to say I'm too busy for it, but you know, if it comes along, it comes along. Mm. That's a side I didn't expect to get into today. I was like, I'm going to talk about dance. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about everything here. Yeah. So it's not something you're specifically looking for, but if it happened, it happened. Yeah. If it happened, cool. If it doesn't, cool, but also, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say you're a person that thrives when you have other people around you or are you comfortable being by yourself? Um, I've become comfortable with balancing both. I love working with other people, but if I have to get the job done by myself, I will. It's, yeah, it's a weird little world. I've been, I've had moments where I've been doing a job with a group of other people and it's very quickly turned into just me. Just as it was at high school when you're in those group projects everyone then it's you it's happened professionally and it sucks but it really surprises you what you can turn out very quickly um so i love both there's a, there's different good things to both yeah if you had to give a younger version of yourself a piece of advice what would it be wow um jeez that's a hard one what would i tell to younger quinn Ah, oh, stop caring what other people think. I, I mean, I still do. I, but when I was younger, especially, I really cared what other people thought of me, which I guess stemmed from being bullied heaps in school as being a guy in dance. But it, you know, was carried over into the rest of my life. So don't bully people. Um, but yeah, I would tell myself to not care what other people think. I I work really hard at not caring so much now, but there's always the odd thing that pops into my brain. I'm like, what if someone thought this of this? Nah. So, yeah. What would you say to uh, specifically a younger guy wanting to get into dance? You have to get over the hurdle of starting it. Starting dance as a male is really hard. I was talking to someone about this the other day. Anyway, that was, sorry, that was my brain having one of my side <laughs> tangents. <laughs> um yeah, getting jumping the hurdle of actually starting is the hardest part because, you know, if you wanted to do any style that isn't hip-hop as a guy, you probably will get bullied for it. I would like to think that it happens less, but it doesn't happen less nowadays. It's still just as bad as what it used to be, if not worse, to be honest. So, yeah, if you're wanting to go for any style that isn't hip-hop as a guy, you just need to do it and just be prepared for what will come from other people because it's going to happen. You have that for anything, but it just tends to happen a bit more for dance. And once you get past that and you realize that you're actually enjoying what you do, you tend to quickly learn to whack the other people out of your brain, which is what I had to learn to do. It took me quite a while to do because I didn't have 
any other guys I knew that did dance or did the arts. So nowadays when I'm working in like these shows and stuff where I have new younger boys like you, Adam, all the boys that are in those shows and Oscar, one of my dancers, it's really cool to be able to help them get over it. And I mean, most of the time they won't come up to me with it, but I'm like, are you being bullied for dancing? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, get over it. They don't, they, yeah, they, they don't know what it takes. Not many people know how much work the arts actually takes. So them just bullying you is just another problem you have to deal with. So if you can learn to block it or at least take it and use it to fuel your fire, which is what I did, um, that's really productive. Would you say most of the bullying comes from outside of the arts? Or would you say there's still quite a lot of unrecognized bullying in the arts? I mean, yeah, there's always bullying in anything you do, I guess, no matter what industry you're in. Um, there is a lot less bullying towards males in dance within the arts world because it's a very female-dominated industry in the first place. But now, it instead of it just being, you know, males and females, we've now got all these other genders that are being discovered throughout everything but they're also very prevalent in the arts industry so people are stemming away from caring about guys being in dance and having to accept everyone now so it kind of has stemmed away from that but a lot of the crap towards guys in the arts came from outside of the arts and it's the sports boys and blah 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 people that have what i would say have no life because you know they're not they don't enjoy what they do yeah they're doing something but now it could easily be flipped where I was being bullied for something I enjoy. Now, what are you going to get for doing something you don't enjoy? Mm. You're now miserable. You said before that you think um, there's still like the same amount of bullying. Do you think, even maybe more, do you think it's just been exposed more because of social media? Oh, 100%. Absolutely 100%. Social media just takes everything and amplifies it by a stupid amount. So it doesn't help. But... It also has create more awareness towards, if we keep stemming back to guys in dance, it has made more a lot more awareness to it because you see these males in dance that are killing it everywhere in dance. And you go, oh, wow, they actually can do something with it. They can make a lot more money than whatever job. So it's helped, but it also has made it worse at the same time. I guess social media has done that to everything. It's made it great and bad at the same time. Blessing and a curse. Oh, my gosh, Yeah. <laughs> Are you happy you didn't have social media um, when you were younger? Um, I kind of grew up with like the start of it right. where it wasn't like too crazy. I had it back when Instagram only offered like what, five filters or something like that. And there was Ask FM and Kick was the banger. And like we had that app that you could only use on like iPod Touch, Bump, instead of, you had to use that instead of AirDrop. Um, Facebook was more designed for what Facebook was at the time. It was... Here's what I'm doing today, not sharing stupid memes and, you know, just sharing business things. It was actually like, this is what I'm up to today. This is how I'm feeling. Everyone used the I'm feeling happy thing attached to their status. Snapchat was only just born when I was in like year nine. I've had the same one since I was year nine. Damn. Stupid app that is sometimes, but hey, I love it. Still use it. So, whatever. Yeah. Now that you've been on the show and you've sat in the box, who would you want to hear on Bean Break? Oh, wow. Um, ooh. I'd say Emma, but I know you just had Emma a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I would say someone I work really closely with at the moment is 
Kitty Whitford joint. She owns Red Studios in Howick and also owns the agency that I'm signed to, um, as well as she does a million other things in the arts world and fashion world. She's an absolute force. Um, so that'd be really cool to see what she thinks of stuff. I mean, I hear it all the time. But I feel like she'd be open to something like this. There's bound to be a million other people that I'll think of the second I leave the studio and I'll be like, eh, sorry, didn't say them on the thing. That's fine. You can always send them through. I can send them through. That's right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people. Lots of people. <laughs> They're just not coming to my brain right now. I'm looking at a picture of someone over there, but that's not helping me at all. <laughs> yeah. I, there'll be more. There's plenty of people that have so much knowledge to give in so many things in this world at the moment. And I think being on like shows like this and podcasts and all that kind of thing is a really cool way to drag it out of people. Yeah. Because it's just like, what do you know? I'm going to ask you. Now it's available to everyone. <laughs> yes, now the world can hear. Great. And finally, where can the people find you or find things that you're doing? The people can find me anywhere, really, I guess, at this point. Um, you know, just search my name on Instagram and that's usually where I put most things. Um, and you'll find it. It'll pop up. Tiptronic Choreography. Our website is tiptronic.nz. Velocity Dance Competition is attached to that on the same website. Same for all the social medias, Tiptronic Choreography, Velocity Dance Competition. Yeah. If you just look up my name, it should pop up somewhere, hopefully. And if it doesn't, then, oh, well. <laughs> Keep looking. Yeah, you'll find it eventually. <laughs> if you Google my name, it comes up with some really stupid things. It comes back, comes up with pictures of me when I was, like, 12. But there's also this... You've done it, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. There's this, like, weird dance website where it looks like a fan website, but it has, like, all these different dances. And it, like, has, like, my Instagram feed updated with it and yep. my most recent bio and portfolio pictures it's really weird it's a very weird website i stumbled across yeah it. I, I i was talking to a friend and they were like oh so um what have you been doing recently i was like oh just cyber stalking quinn and and they were like why and i'm like i'm interviewing him they're like what'd you find i'm like i found a really weird website that i don't think he knows exists yeah i've <laughs> i've i mean if you haven't googled yourself then what are you up to but yeah there's some weird stuff that comes up lots of old things but that one website in particular i was like who went to the effort of creating this. It's really weird. And linking your feed to it. Yeah, why'd you go to so much effort? It takes, it's so much work to link an Instagram feed to a website. Why did you bother? <laughs> Quinn, thank you so much for coming on Beanbreak and chatting to me. Thank you.